Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Pickles and Vodka Podcast. I'm your host, Christina. I don't think I ever introduced myself before. You're just like supposed to know everything about me because you stalk me. Duh. Um, but yeah, my name's Christina. I just finished watching a movie on Netflix. I am like fresh off a Netflix binge as we speak. So normally when I watch Netflix, it's because I'm bored or I want something in the background. Like I've been rewatching Shameless for the millionth time, uh, even though it's one of those shows that starts off really good and gets progressively worse. But it's comforting to me because I've seen it and it reminds me of my family a little bit because I grew up in Chicago and I'm the oldest of seven kids and you know my family's crazy and... (laughs) Um, I don't know. I can relate to it a little bit. Anyway, tonight I did not watch Shameless. I actually sat down and watched a full-ass movie, which is rare for me. Okay, so first of all, before I talk about the movie, the episode that you're about to listen to is the Lost episode. (laughs) It's a big deal. I don't know if you remember, a few weeks ago, I, like, talked about how I had recorded an episode with my friend Rachel and emailed myself the wrong file and, like, the episode had been recorded on my ex's computer, which got packed up to another state. And so I didn't have the episode forever, but he got his place set up and he sent it to me. And this is that episode. So this this episode you're about to listen to is a few weeks old. Um, and you can definitely tell, like, the audio setup is not the greatest. Uh, the, there's a dog, there's traffic... Um, there's like some minor audio issues. I don't know. That's just because I'm a perfectionist, but, um, it's definitely a treat. My friend Rachel is an amazing person. We had reconnected that day after like years of like knowing each other from summer camp, but we didn't really talk. Um, she works in a psych ward and she also has been in a psych ward as a patient. So you're about to hear our conversation. It's really good. We answer some questions from listeners. So if you emailed me weeks ago, probably months ago at this point with a question and you never heard back, odds are you're going to hear the answer today. (coughs) I'm so sorry. I am like getting over a cold and I haven't had health insurance um, because I'll, I'll get into this later. It's like a whole something that happened with my job. It's a mess, but, um, I haven't had a health insurance and so I haven't been able to go to the doctor. So I've just been kind of writing it out and it's been pretty good the last few days, but every now and then it flares up, of course, like when I'm recording a podcast. But, um, anyway, the Netflix movie that I just finished watching is called Anesthesia. Anesthesia? I don't know how you say it, but, um, it's really good. It's one of those, um, movies with ensemble casts, like, a, a bunch of big name actors. Uh, Kristen Stewart's in it. She plays a woman who um, is really jaded with life and she like self-harms. Um, so trigger warning, if you know self-harm triggers you, you might not want to watch it. There's like a scene. It doesn't really show anything graphic, but it, there's definitely self-harm depicted. Um, anyway, it's an ensemble movie. I don't know if you guys ever saw Love Actually, you know, that cheesy British Christmas movie where you get introduced to all these different characters and then throughout the course of the movie it's revealed how their lives are like intersected and this is kind of like that movie but like the mental health version that's depressing as shit but also really good (laughs) Um, it, it is a really depressing movie it's basically you get to know all these different characters and how they're related to each other and they're each dealing with their own shit 
It deals with depression, alcoholism, um, drug addiction, teenage drama, old person drama. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, it's just really, really good. And I'm kind of shook. Like now that I'm finished watching it, I feel kind of bereft. Like, shit, what am I supposed to do now after watching that? You should go on Netflix and watch it if you're like me and you just spend 10 minutes going through your options and end up picking something you've seen before. You should definitely watch it. Anesthesia is the name of it. I don't know why I have so much trouble with that word. With that said, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into the lost episode with Rachel. I hope you guys enjoy. Starting this week, I won't. I don't have any more like pre-recorded episodes to release. Um, the last few weeks, I've been moving into Seattle, like getting settled, and so I've kind of been publishing episodes that are either from the road or that I had recorded like a week prior. But I am gonna need some guests starting this week. So if you want to be on the podcast now, is your time to shine. If you have something mental health related you want to talk about, um, hit me up. You know where to find me at this point, I hope. Pickles and Vodka podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Gmail, all that stuff. I'll also be hitting up some people. So yeah, here's Rachel. And I hope you guys are having a great Monday so far. Okay, so I'm here with my guest. Hey. Um, (laughs) The dog is in the room again. We tried to get her out, but she insists on staying. And so she keeps coming over and licking us randomly. So there might be interruptions in that regard. But um, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do and your history with mental health? Yeah. Um, So I'm Rachel. I currently work at an adolescent inpatient psychiatry unit at a local hospital. I have been there since August. Yeah, I really, really enjoy the job. Um, As far as my history, I've held quite a number of diagnoses throughout the years. Um, I was on the other side of the glass back in 2010 for my own own struggles. Um, At one point it was anorexia, um, self-injury, depression has been the prevailing issue. I have been medicated. I think I counted the other day. I think I've been on a total of 15 medications at different times. Right now, I've kind of stabilized on my four. Take them twice a day, every day, and I have no regrets. I freaking love them, Um, and I would be totally fine to take them for the rest of my life if I continue to feel this way. You're like a good hype man for meds. Like, I freaking love them. <laughs> it's like the the most recent med I got started on. I started it about uh, three years ago. And I had been in a, a very depressive state. It was go to school, come back home, get in bed, and stay there until it was dinner time kind of thing. I started on Latuda. Shout out to my main, my main med, Latuda. And smallest, tiniest dose, I started taking it. And it was like the clouds parted. And it's all of a sudden, for I depression, could right? It is an atypical antipsychotic that is also approved for bipolar depression. Neither of those I have, but it works like a charm. Okay. What, what are the other meds you're on and what are they for? So the longest one I've been on is Cymbalta. It's... A SSNRI, 
no, SNRI. Um, it is approved for depression, but also fibromyalgia, chronic pain, that kind of thing. Um, but I take that for depression. I've taken that for eight years at this point. I also take Trazodone. It's an atypical antidepressant, but I'm using it for sleep, and it is beautiful. Hmm. I also take Lamictal. I've taken that a little bit, I think that's since 2012, and that is, it's actually an anti-seizure med, but I take it for mood stabilization. Technically, I have a diagnosis of bipolar, but I've never been manic once in my life. Um, I think it's just for insurance billing purposes, and I don't really care. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I feel like we should say something about how we met. Yeah. <laughs> when was it? Like, when did, It was like 2009 summer at a military retreat center. We were both working as slaves for free <laughs> with the promise of lots of fun, which it was. It was a lot of fun. Those are some of the best years of my life. Yeah, and some good good relationships are formed, obviously, if we still talk. Yeah, but we were both going through a lot at the time, and this was just like a little vacation yeah. mentally. I don't know. I know we were both dealing with a lot of the same types of issues, and we, we met and just immediately connected. Yeah, and, and then we turned pen pals. Yeah, when I was hospitalized, she sent me this amazing like notebook full of paintings and poetry and songs. And whatnot. We actually just pulled it out and looked at it. It was a trip down memory lane. Yeah, and when Christina was in the hospital, then she sent me like this pastel paper. I still have that filed away. Good times. We've both gone through a lot over the years. Kind of lost touch for a while, but we live in the same state now. And I don't know. I think you have a lot to say about a lot of important stuff. So I'm really excited you're on the podcast. Yeah. So tell me about your experience in school while going through all this stuff? Um, yeah, so I did the standard move away from home, go to college, um, lived in a dorm one year, and then the other three and a half years, I lived in a house with other girls. So freshman year, like high school, I had my main my main depressive episode, was hospitalized after a suicide attempt, kind of got better, was really, really numb for a long time, but like towards the end of high school I started like I turned a corner and I was doing pretty good college I was a little bit homesick and I had a couple like depressive episodes a couple episodes of self-harm and it was also back when I was in seventh grade I came up with this mantra when I go away to college I'm gonna have an eating disorder get skin get skinny be beautiful and then I will be happy Mm. and so it was a lot of fighting against that or lack of fighting um and so I had like a couple attempts at starting up but then one day I don't I don't really know what transpired this, but I kind of realized, I was like, you know, I absolutely do not want to be a mom who has kids and is struggling with an eating disorder still. I don't want kids to be like, why is mommy not eating? Why is mommy crying when she steps on the scale? And I was like, no, this needs to change. This needs to change now. That's Um, interesting. You never told me that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so it was at that point I self-decided, like my college, the health center had a dietitian. Um, the other issue that I had was I was actually overweight um, at the time. I had been on lithium for quite some time, and that causes you to have cravings, and I just wasn't trying to fight them. Mm. So I was overweight at that point and did need to lose weight. Um, so that was also a part of it. So I went to the dietitian. We came up with a plan for how I was going to change my eating. I was also taking a gym class that was, like, working on weight training and trying to figure So that was just really productive 
That's great that you had those resources. Yeah. No, it was. And with that, I kind of, I kind of kicked it. I'm not really sure what all transpired, but I kicked it. And then I went to summer camp for that summer and I saw a lot of other girls my age. They, they walked around in their swimsuits and I was like, they are strong and they are beautiful. And you know what? That's okay. Hell yeah. Do you still struggle with the eating disordered thoughts? No, not at all. That's amazing, though, that you completely cut it out. Like, I don't know a lot of people who can say that. Yeah, I think I think a combination, like, I was doing pretty well. I had the meds in my system to help, like, even things out. And I do think every person needs a complete toolbox to deal with their stuff. Like, a lot of people think there's, like, one answer to everything, and they're constantly looking for the one answer, but I think it's, like, a combination of tools and coping methods and meds and therapy you know whatever and everyone's so different sometimes it takes an entire lifetime to find what what works for you I think it's so cool that you finally did after all these years yeah absolutely that's I mean that's what I tell my kids at work is like you like having coping skills like you need to have all the tools you know and we do all these group therapies to come up with new tools and I'm like and that's what you do. You make a list of them. You make a list of a thousand coping skills and you go right down the list. Every yeah. single one. Get to 99. And maybe number 99 is the one that works today. And that's how it has to happen. So tell me more. So when did you graduate from school? December 2016. Okay. So two years ago. Exactly. Pretty yeah. much. <laughs> so how did you start at this job? So I was... I was working at a pediatrician's office, and I absolutely loved it. Um, I also knew I wanted to go back to school, and so I was in the process of that. And then I had my annual raise meeting, and they gave me a really pathetic raise. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm worth more than this. Had, like, a target of what I wanted to make. And I went looking around, and I I knew kind of what kinds of nursing jobs, like, what I would be up against. And I saw adolescent psych. And I knew it was going to be a new program with new staff. And I was like, you know, I could really get on board with that. Like, I'm in a really good place mentally Mm -hmm. at this point in time. Um, I think I can really handle it. I think I can be really helpful to these kids without being, like, like having good boundaries. Like, I think I'm in a good place for that. Yeah, because when I heard you were working there, like, my first, I was kind of worried a little at first. Because that can be rough, especially if you do have the history that you have. Right. And I think if I were to, um, like, I don't want to call it a relapse, but if I were to start having depression again, I think I would probably talk to my manager and be like, look, can I move to, you know, orthopedics for the next six months? Because that's what I need right now. Yeah. So tell me about your kids. We see a wide variety of kids. Um, Sometimes they just got in a fight with their parents and the parents are like, oh, they're mentally unstable. Sometimes they're mad at their parents because their parents took their cell phone away because they were sharing inappropriate pictures on Instagram. And then they're like, well, well, F you, I'm going to take all this Tylenol. And so they overdose on Tylenol and then they end up in our unit. And some kids legitimately are really, really depressed. They're really, really suicidal. Like they just... They don't see how anything can get any better ever. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what we're for. And we we have a trauma, trauma-informed care kind of model. We're not, we're not punitive. We're really striving to have compassion in our care, knowing that most of these kids have some kind of trauma in their life. Yeah. Right now we have a lot of really somatic kids who are like, oh, 
I have a headache. It's 10 out of 10 pain. <laughs> You're not helping me. My sprained ankle. I need a wheelchair. Um, or I'm going to fake being unresponsive. So we're trying to, they're fine, but they're just pretending like they're not responsive. And are these kids that have been in the system before and they kind of know what to say to get a response? Quite a number of them. Uh, what's the average amount of time they'll stay? Um, I think right now we've got them at about seven days. Once you hit past day 10, most of the time they get worse. And, and we don't have an outdoor space, so 10 days of being indoors cannot be good for you. Yeah, when I was in the hospital, I was there for 11 days, and I kind of went a little crazy towards the end. Like when you're there with the same people, just constantly in your head. Because right. you are in your head. Like I know we had like art therapy and stuff and like mild like, exercises to kind of make it better. But what kind of activities do you guys do during the day? Um, so we do not make them do schoolwork. Um, that's okay. not really part of our program. I know when I was in the hospital, that was. Yeah, me too. Um, and I was there for 16 days. And I definitely, I think by day, day 12, 13, I was like, okay, this is not helping anymore. Um, there was definitely like that plateau. Um, but we have mental health therapists who are on staff who are there all day long, not during the night. And they have like specific group therapy. Um, they have like, they have activities that they do. Like they, like they write letters, it's like a Dear Abby, like write letters and then another peer um, answers their question. Hmm. Um, and there is art therapy, which is great. What, we, what's an example of the letter thing because that sounds interesting um like is it peer-to-peer -peer giving each other advice yeah I'm trying to think it's probably like how do you handle panic attacks at school things like that and then someone is it like a random person who feels like they have an answer or do you call on someone like do you match that them I up i don't know okay i'm usually at the nurse's station that's really interesting so um you say you work in the nurse's station so you dole out meds and stuff yeah are a lot of them on medication? Most of them are. Um, I would say maybe 80%. Some of them, it's a really, it's a challenging group of kids, like a, a age group to deal with because you have the kid who may or may not be open to taking medication and then you have the parent. Right, I was gonna say. Who may be like, no. We actually had one um, who left against medical advice because mom wanted to take him to church so that Jesus could heal him. Oof. And refused any and all medications, interventions, and some of them do that. And it's really frustrating because I'm like, okay, so why are they here? They're suicidal, so what? what's the plan right. to prevent this from happening again? Oh my god, that's such a rough situation to be in. Especially, like, since you are, you know, religious yourself, like, but you also are heavily like science is helping you out obviously like you're on right. meds so that must be a tough bridge to straddle yeah like, for you yeah and like for me and and you get all sorts of fun religious advice you know oh i think i think god told me that you can stop taking your meds now and i'm like really because god told me to keep taking them <laughs> um and so and i can see like obviously going to church and getting prayed over i think that's a powerful thing but also, your kid is 
taking drugs yeah. <laughs> that are making him paranoid and psychotic, and how are you going to fix that? Like, you need to make physical changes in his life. He may even benefit from, you know, a little bit of Risperdal. And again, it's like a toolbox. You need something of everything. You know, right. like community and faith is so important to a lot of people, mm-hmm. but also you, sometimes that isn't enough by itself. Right. No, and I tried I tried the faith thing, and I, I tried. I was like, well, maybe if I pray hard enough, maybe if I surrender everything, maybe I'm sinning. And, um, and I did all of that, and at the end of the day, it still wasn't enough. Yeah. Um, and so that was the point where I was like, okay, I need, I need to try something else. Um, and I think that they, they co-work very well. Yeah. I'm so happy that you found something that works for you and that you found your balance and that you're helping people try to find the same thing, kind of. Yeah. One um, other note, the other thing that has helped me out so much, shout out to CrossFit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Talk about that. So I walked into CrossFit. I had no idea what it was. I just knew I needed to lose weight, and it was the closest gym to my house. And I walk in, and people are, like, jumping ropes, slamming barbells, loud, obnoxious music playing, and I was like, what, what is this? But I stuck around for that first class, and I got hooked. And I just really liked it because I had such a tendency to, like, work out just based on the calories and be like, how many calories can I burn? Let's keep going, going, going. And it could get unhealthy so, so fast. Oh, yeah. But for CrossFit, they tell you exactly what to do. You know, if you end up, and there's no room for, like, my depression to work. And as far as, like, the the demeaning to myself, like, if you're the last one to finish the workout, everyone cheers for you until you finish. Oh my god, that's so wholesome. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes people, like, are done with their workout, they've been done for five minutes, and you still have ten burpees to go. They will do the ten burpees with you. Oh my god. It's just so supportive. Do you Um, think that's CrossFit as a whole, or just your gym? No, it's CrossFit as a whole. At least if your gym doesn't do that, you need to find a new one. Right. So Um, when did you start this? Sorry, the dog is all up in our business right now. I don't know if you've been hearing her whining in the background. May, you need to chill. Okay, she's giving me kisses. Okay, sorry. How how long ago? So I just came up on my three-year anniversary. Oh, congrats. And I can now do three pull-ups. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) I am the least fit person ever, so that... But I can't, I can't even do one pull-up. So. Well, it took me three years to do one. Okay, so. I one pull-up every year. Now I know <laughs> <laughs> how long it takes. That's so amazing. Yeah, but it's, it's such a focus on how my body can be strong and how I can improve myself. I'm not competing against anyone else. No one is giving me a score. I did gymnastics for a long time, and that was oh, nice. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Nice and toxic. Um, <laughs> And it was always like the judges giving me scores and, oh, I wasn't good enough. This was my value was a 6.2 out of 10 um, versus this is like, no, I can do better this time. And like having your one rep max weight weights, like I can bench 120. <laughs> and for me, that's exciting. Maybe that is for, exciting. Maybe for a bodybuilder, that's not exciting. Or for a guy, that's not exciting at all. But for me, <laughs> that's real exciting. But you don't have to compare yourself to other people. It's just right. about bettering yourself. Right. And there's not, like, a big, like, board where I write, well, this is my one rent max and compare it to everyone else. You don't. Like, yeah. That's not a thing. That's Stay awesome. against yourself. So do you ever recommend stuff like that to your kids? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. All the time. Um, I always recommend, like, 
CrossFit, Orange Theory is also very similar to CrossFit with the community aspect, and it's not quite as intimidating. Um, or if you can find, like, a boot camp kind of thing, I recommend that all the time. Every so often, like, I've tried to have classes on the unit, and sometimes they're into it, and sometimes they're like, I can't do this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I didn't tell you had to be here. You can leave. And then they just all kept peeling off. So oh. got a little butt hurt over that. <laughs> just keep trying. I, I don't know what a lot of teenagers that do CrossFit. So it seems really intense. But maybe they should be. Yeah. Well, that's like, that's what gets me about it. And the one thing that I, when I, about, I'm trying to think, maybe three months into CrossFit, we were having like the group text from my house. I was living with 11 other people at the time. Oh my God. And we were just having this like long text conversation and it was just really frustrating. I think like the gas got turned off for like the head person was being dumb about it. So it got turned off and I couldn't take a shower. Um, But I wasn't going to go to CrossFit that day because I was really sore. But I was just getting really frustrated and heated from all these texts. And I was like, you know what? I can't deal with this shit. I'm going to CrossFit. And I was like, whoa. That, like, nothing can replace that. Like, that is beautiful. Yes. Exercise is a really good coping mechanism. Like, what is that chemical it releases in your brain? Um, It's not dopamine. Serotonin? Maybe that might serotonin. be totally wrong. Serotonin is not a happy one. It's not a happy one? No, it is. Oh. They're both happy. <laughs> but it releases something. Like, like I'll start walking and I'll feel better. Endorphins. Endorphins. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, so also when I was in college, I had this wonderful thing that happened where I, well, I got really, oh yeah, this is good. Um, I was taking anatomy in my pre-nursing courses and I was failing anatomy and it was so stressful. Like, I was so stressed. And everyone's like, well, it's only till the end of the semester. And I was like, you don't get it. If I don't pass, it's next semester too. And so it's just all this stress. And what I've later found out was cortisol, your stress hormone, competes with serotonin. Oh. So if you have so much cortisol going around, serotonin can't get to the receptors, and so that's going to make you depressed. I'm just picturing two boxers in a ring, like yeah, 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 fighting the crap out of each other. Yeah, so that's what was happening. I didn't realize that, um, and so that started. I was anxious for good reason, like, and it was all mm. situational. Um, but I eventually passed anatomy. But wait, there's more. <gasps> I got rejected from the nursing program. Like, you have to apply separately, and I got rejected. And that just was a downward spiral. It was like a total different depression from when I was in high school. And how Um, old were you at the time? I was 19. 19. Yeah. And I talked to friends about it, and I was just absolutely miserable. I went to the psychiatrist. She actually put me on a stimulant because I could not get out of bed and do my homework, which, oh, by the way, makes you more depressed because then your grades are bad. Um, So I was on a stimulant. And eventually I was like, shoot, I need counseling. So I skipped the school counseling system because I was like, they can't help me. And I called my insurance. I found someone. And she was perfect for me. She laughed at all the right parts of my life story um, and she would tell me stuff that I needed to hear and be like, no, you're just overreacting, stuff like that. Yeah. And that was just really, really good. Sometimes um, you just need tough love. 
on yeah. the counselor. Yeah. I've been to counselors that are just too nice, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, no, and it was a very safe place. Um, so I did, like, my weekly sessions for that. Um, I worked at a summer camp that summer, and I spent so much energy trying not to be depressed. Um, I did okay over the summer, and then I got back to school. I literally started crying as soon as I turned it off the highway Wow! into the campus town. I was like, I can't do this. Um, and that semester, I was just hoping that I would get in to the nursing program for the following semester, and that was just a whole boatload of stress. That I was dealing with but you got in eventually I did and it was great but it turns out the depression was still there um so that was when we started I was like okay well let's try this med let's try this med and then we're like well nope I'm a zombie well nope I'm sleeping during the day and can't sleep at night well nope this didn't do anything and I gained five pounds um oh nope insurance won't cover this one let's try oh this god. one. Oh, this one makes me narcoleptic okay <laughs> So I'm just, exhausted just thinking, hearing about this. Yeah, so I was just playing, playing a game, trying to find one that works. And then in August of the following year, that was when I tried the Latuda. Cloud parted. It was beautiful. And then November, I found CrossFit. And I went to counseling like a week later from my scheduled session. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't need this anymore. So that I quit. soon? Yeah. Wow. So I stopped counseling and I haven't needed to go back. And I certainly like am open to it if I ever get to that place again. I absolutely like right. I know what I need to do and I will do it. But for now, I just go to the psychiatrist every three months or whenever he wants to see me. That's amazing. Yeah. That A, you stuck with trying to find a med even though you had so many failures. Because a lot of people would have given up, I think. Myself included. Like, I, just such a gamble, and you're putting yourself through so much. Yeah, it was just like, I was like, I know, I think part of it was I knew I didn't have to feel that way, and I'd experienced not feeling that way, and I was like, something has to work, something has to give. I can't live the rest of my life like this. You're a fighter. Yeah, and I remember saying when I was a teenager, I was like, you can put dog poop in a capsule. If it makes me feel better, I will take it. (laughs) Fortunately, it didn't come to that. Oh my God! Are, have we touched upon a new cure? <laughs> yeah. Please don't try this at home. Oh my God! Okay, I'm so happy that you're in a good place now, and it's knowing you over the years. I've seen you at your worst, and like the person sitting next to me right now is so different, and I just love yeah. it. No, um, and I'm I'm so thankful, but also at the same point, like I refuse to take this for granted. Oh yeah, totally. I imagine at another point in my life, I will experience debilitating depression again, and I will figure it out then. You know, I figured it out twice now, and I'm confident that I'll figure out something to make it work, to make it better. Yeah. Yeah, you have the tools. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to let the dog out before we start on the emails, because... Okay, so we're going to launch into some emails from listeners because they have to do with treatment centers or psych wards and um, I think your input is really valuable since you have been on both sides (laughs) of the glass like you said. Okay, so the first one is from a user who goes by Mint Chocolate Tea. She says, when I was 17, I spent a week in the adolescent psych unit because I struggled with suicidal thoughts and self-harm. 
I was, sur- I was surrounded by many other teenagers in my situation, and when we were allowed to hang out during free time, the conversations that we had were usually very depressing and, quite frankly, not at all focused on recovery of any kind, but instead about escape from the clinic, how to hide certain behaviors, and how to find loopholes in the rules set out for us. It was hard for me to provide and to get support from these people who were put in the unit against their will and were only really interested in escaping. <laughs> we can relate to this so much. Um, my question to your guest is, did you receive support from the other patients during your stay, or did you find that some people were not in the same boat as you recovery-wise? And also, um, I'll, I'll add on to this question, like, what do you observe? Do you observe this behavior now? Which I think, obviously, <laughs> yes. the answer is yes, but talk about it. Um, so for me as a patient, I was very treatment-oriented, like, I... And so I wasn't trying, not until the very end was I, like, thinking, like, okay, I need to get out of here now. Um, My mindset was very much, I need to get this over with now. I never want to come back here. Let me do what I can now. Like, fix it now. So my conversations, like, I was trying to have those kinds of conversations. Um, And I did with a couple patients. Um, I kept in touch with one, and that was kind of a turned toxic, so. Mm. But friendship ended um but definitely like you could read this the hospital I stayed at they had like notes written on all of the beds and the thing and the desks talking about like ways to escape and all of that oh my god so it was certainly there in like pentagrams and that's very nice, specific. nice and wholesome yeah so I definitely saw that as a patient as a staff member they have some weird conversations man <laughs> I don't hear a whole lot about people trying to escape we actually I think we're starting to have more problems with people who don't want to leave as mm. surprising as that is like I've literally heard them be like oh I'm not safe I need to stay for a little bit longer and we're like you have been here for two weeks you need to figure out something that's sad yeah well, I mean their home life is so bad yeah yeah I mean it's why you know you have people in and out of treatment centers their whole lives in and out of you know prison their whole lives like Mm -hmm. sometimes the alternative is just harder to bear right yeah I mean we've discharged kids to jail we've discharged them to court-ordered shelters residentials okay so yeah it does exist and I think it is something that's very common and I think treatment is what you make it yes absolutely yeah Um, okay next question is from Rachel another Rachel She says, I have a little bit of a backstory and a bunch of questions for your friend. The last time I did inpatient was 2015, as an adult. I was put in there after a suicide attempt, and although my stay was pretty normal and overall neutral to positive, towards the end of it, my social worker said she needed to speak to a family member. Now, I had said multiple times the only family I had was my narcissistic, abusive mother and my underage brother. She still insisted on speaking with someone before my release. I broke down and let her call home. In the conversation, my mother completely trashed me and acted like a saint. Is it normal to insist on calling a family member of the adult patient even after I had expressed how abusive she was? Uh, Whether it be former or current, how often do you come across patients that are victims of abuse? Have you spoken to the abusers or have you witnessed any interactions between abuser and the abused? And then how often, if ever, do you doubt claims from the patient? That's a lot. Um, She also says, I'm sure your work is rewarding and you probably love helping people and aiding in the recovery process. I've definitely toyed with the idea of doing the same exact thing. But do you ever feel as if your work is hopeless? What kind of situations does it take for you to second guess if this is what you want to do with your life? Cool. Yeah, you can read it. Perfect. Um, Thanks for writing in, Rachel. 
Uh, I apologize for your situation. I I don't know the circumstances that would want. I'm wondering if the social worker wanted to make sure that you were safe on discharge home. Um, it doesn't say your age. So if you, I mean, say you were 19, that would might be more interesting. But have hope. We understand that parents can be just as crazy as the patients, if not crazier. Um, and so if you're, you know, I've definitely had parents tell me things and I'm like, what a piece of crap. I'm like, you're more crazy than your child. Um, so I imagine if your mom was that crazy, the social worker been like, oh, okay. Um, and just totally discounted what the parent said. So she asks if you ever have reason to, like, have you witnessed abusers and abused like together in the same room and what's that like and like also do you ever have reason to doubt the patient because especially when you deal with younger kids Mm -hmm. the the line can get kind of gray there because you you say a lot of them do kind of act manipulative yeah um so as far as abuse i would say probably about 50 percent of the kids have experienced some kind of very 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 legitimate abuse um, another 25% think they're being abused, and I, I hate to discount them, but when you when you listen to what they have to say, they're like, yeah, my dad, he hit me with the car door because he was trying to put me in the car so that I could go to the psychiatrist, but I didn't want to go, and I kind of look at that, and I'm like, mm, okay, parent, you know, like, that's... You have to have more to the story. Like, that's a very fine line, and sometimes it's cultural discipline in different cultures is a little different. But we do, we are very liberal with calling CPS because we are dealing with minors. We are mandatory reporters. Um, So even if it is a dumb story, like my dad was pushing me into the car, we still have to call, and we still do. Right. I, like, I don't witness. Sometimes we, like, we allow parents onto the unit, and if the kid says they're fine to see them, like, they can visit. But then sometimes later we find out, oh, yeah, the dad sexually abused the child for three years. And at that point, then we try to, like, meet with a kid and be like, okay, so what needs to happen? How will you feel safe here? And trying to make it, like, if they don't want to see their parent, they don't have to see the parent. Yeah. It is rough because, you know, as minors, sometimes they don't have a choice. Do right. They? Or, like, right. What, what can well, you and do? then they're going to get discharged home to be with the parent. So we have to figure, you know, it's a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Yeah, and then you you do specifically ask how often do you doubt claims from the patient. I, well, and that's the thing. It's like I can personally doubt what's happening, but I will still report it to the appropriate authorities. And then the CPS people, they can investigate for themselves. And they're the ones who have the ultimate power to judge if that is a real abusive situation. Um, But like I said, like, you know, parents, like, won't let their kid out of the house because the kid's about to go on a five-day drug binge. Hmm. So is that... I don't think that's abuse for the parent to lock their child in the house so that they can't go and get hurt. That's... I mean, but yeah. that's my opinion. That's not my... And the kid doesn't see it that way. Right. Oh, man. It's it's so difficult. It really is a case-by-case basis. Yeah. And there's two sides to every story. And as far as feeling if my work is hopeless... Um, it's not so much like a dark hopeless, it's just, I don't know how much more help I can give this kid. Um, they have already dug themselves into a very deep pit, and I can give them all the tools in the world, but if they don't want to use them, they're not going to use them, and they'll just end up back here in a month. Yep. So, it's frustrating, but also there are times when you really get to help someone, so... Makes it all worth it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, my job is just my job. I show up there three days a week. 
and I leave there and I leave the kids there I leave my most of my interactions there I leave it all there and I go home and I'm me and I do my CrossFit I watch TV I do my thing I do homework lots and lots of homework um, so yeah yeah it's so important to for your own mental health to be able to detach yourself when yes. you work in a field like this. Yes, leave it at work. This is not my identity. Um, that brings me to the next question. Um, well, there's a couple more questions. This one is kind of short and broad. She just asks, like, how on earth like, did you get through school while dealing with oh this stuff? Gosh. And I know you already talked about this. Um, I'm trying to see her exact words. Yeah. Ask her about getting through nursing school with all this shit going on. <laughs> it's from Ina. Um, it was kind of like, it sounds really cliche, but one day at a time, it was, I became, one of the things that really helps me is to become task-oriented. So I would make a lot of checklists. This is what needs to happen by Friday. Um, I was able, one of the ways I can cope with my symptoms is to throw myself into the schoolwork. And so a lot of it was, that was all I did. I did homework. And then I went to sleep. I would go to bed at like 9.30 because I couldn't justify staying up later, but I also couldn't study. So I was like, well, it's time to go to bed. I'm the same exact way. I have never done an all-nighter before. Me neither. Because they don't work. At past a certain point, your brain just stops working. Right. No, and I think that was also another coping skill. It was just, you know, I was like, I can't control so much of this, but you know what? Gosh darn it. I can control when I go to bed. And I'm going to bed at 9.30. Yes. That, I feel like that's an unpopular opinion. <laughs> you know, and plus I was on the trazodone, so it gives me a little kick to help fall asleep. So I fall asleep when I feel like it. Yes, I think a set schedule is so important. Like having yes. a plan. I use a planner. It's color-coded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trying to stay in control as much as you can. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was just a lot of checklists. Like, this has to be done today. This can wait until tomorrow. So you're, like, you're literally you're triaging your work and be like, this, 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 this needs to be done today. I need to start this today, but finish yeah. tomorrow. Um, just becoming very detail-oriented. When you're depressed, it's so hard to remember this stuff. So don't mm-hmm. make yourself remember. Just write it down. That way you don't have to remember. You can just, if you're feeling overwhelmed, pick one little tiny thing on the list and do it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, just do something. Do something. One day at a time. Like, pick it up and start. Okay, last question. Oh, wait, sorry. One more thing that really helped me um, was I would get kind of anxious, and I'd be like, okay, five seconds of bravery. And if I can can hold it together for five seconds, I will get there. And so that's what I did, like, when I signed up for my CrossFit intro class. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. This is a terrible idea. And I was like, no, five seconds of bravery. Pick up the phone, dial. I love that. Yeah. That's really useful, actually. It was from, like, a Disney movie or something. (laughs) I think, did you ever watch the TV show Lost? No, I didn't. Oh, I think they do something. It's scary. He counts down from 10 or something when he feels like that. Okay. Uh, Last question is from M. She says, would you ask your friend what, if any, obstacle she encountered getting into the field considering her own history? Did she have to disclose her past with mental health problems? So in the interview, absolutely not. I did not disclose anything. I didn't even disclose that I was in school. Um, and they can't ask you about that on the interview. I We're really... Getting but, your master's now, right? Or what are yeah. you getting... Okay, you're yeah, getting your getting master's, master's now. now. Oh, is this about school or work? 
or both? Well, both. It's just oh, like, okay, yeah. Um, yeah. So it is. It is a little bit hard to write a cover letter to explain why you're so passionate about this without disclosing your own. But there's a ways to get around it. I think I said my sister had issues nice. or my friends and whatever. Do they have like a background check that they do? Because I think that would be a big liability if you do work with. Like, you are yeah. in a healthy place, but how would they know that? Right. You know? Like, well, they could just hire um, someone who's totally unstable. Yeah. Um, I did have to do a background check, but I don't think they're I don't think they're allowed to check, like, hospital records. That's a major HIPAA violation. But I was never in the criminal justice system. and no ever accused accusations of abuse, anything like that. Um, I did, when I had to do my employee physical... With employee health, I did have to disclose the medications I was on, and I was kind of like, you know what, screw it. I'll just throw them all on there. And I think there is a question like, have you ever been hospitalized for this? And I, I'm i pretty sure I said yes, and I think I did like a disclosure like, I have not had any medication changes in the last three years. Like, if that doesn't say that I'm stable, I don't know what does. Yeah. And just being able to speak to it very, like, in a professional way and be like, yes, I'm on X, Y, and Z. I see the psychiatrist every three months. And so that does not, that went to employee health. That did not go to my boss. That did not go to my coworkers. That stayed with them. And then as far as school, the same thing, like writing the application, writing in the application, like the essay or whatever. I just, I kept that out. Um, I'm actually going for family, not mental health at this point in time. So it's easier to write about other passions I have with primary care, vaccinations, things like that. Cool. So wrapping up, um, what's like your five-year plan? Yeah. <laughs> Like, what, what do you want to do with your degree once you graduate? So I'm going to get a degree family nurse practitioner. Um, so I would like to work in family practice. If anyone knows of any clinical rotation sites that are willing to take me, <laughs> please let me know. Please send Christina a message. Yes, yeah, so I would like to work family practice. Um, I will be licensed to see any age from birth to death. Um, and so I would like to work with all ages. And my real passion is medical missions. I have been on a couple where I went to Peru to some really rural areas and provided medical care. Um, but it was more than that. It was also providing like a lot of compassion and being like, look, someone cares about you. Your government has forgotten about you because you live five hours driving from the nearest city. And they've forgotten about you and they don't care about you. But you know what? We do. And that was really powerful to me. Um, and so I want to go on those trips probably about twice a year with an established group and provide care. And I think that's going to bring me a lot of joy. Awesome. For sure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. It's been so great to reconnect and see how you're thriving now. Yeah. Um, I like to wrap up each episode with like a cool thing I discovered in the past week. Um, well, so as we're recording now, it's Wednesday. So the week has kind of just begun but do you have any like recommendations or coping methods or like something to offer listeners that they can check out this week? Because when, when we release this, it's going to be Monday. So whole new week. Yeah. So something that I've discovered recently is like a meal service. Oh, okay. Um, I get it through my CrossFit. It's called, am I allowed to say brand yeah. name? It's called Territory Foods and they prepare really healthy meals for me and I pick them up. Um, I only pick them up once a week, but you can pick them up twice a week. They're really healthy. They taste really, really good. And that is such a good health care or a self-care thing. Like, if that was one of my issues with depression was I just couldn't, I couldn't muster the energy to make something healthy for myself. 
Um, Same. Like, I, I've totally been there. I th- think that's a big thing when you're depressed, like not being able to get the right nutrition, which makes yeah. it worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I would just like sit on my kitchen floor and start crying because I just, I was like, I don't know what to do. I just want something that tastes good. Okay. I'm going to make some chicken nuggets. Yeah. Um, so what's it called? Territory food? Territory And where is it available? It's in various cities, like metropolitan cities. So there is one in DC area. I don't know where else, but there's some other compatible ones. So if you're really struggling in that department and you have the financial means, please like do it. Yeah. It's like I'm totally healthy now and it's so nice to have. Maybe that's a future sponsor in the works, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you have a wonderful week and we will see you next time. Um, I realized on the last episode that I told you like five times to email the show with your questions and stories and I never once said the email address. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have any uh, stories or questions or like you have an idea for a theme you want to explore, if you want to be a guest, email the podcast. It's picklesandvodkapodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook, Pickles and Vodka Podcast. Same on Instagram, hit me up, slide into my DMs. How's your website going? Uh, I don't want to talk about the website. (laughs) This is a sore spot for me. But yeah, a website will be up eventually. Pop, to be honest, probably after I move because I have a lot on my plate right now. But um, yeah, you guys have a great week. Bye. Bye.